Adam, who was here last week for budget? You heard about budget? I hope that you're like, just start, you know, have the heart attack, sit down, add all the numbers up, see if you're in the red or in the black. Um, and actually get your budget uh, under God's control because God has blessings for you and you, we need to be responsible with what he gives us. There was one line item on our budget that I was talking about, our grocery budget, that saved our family $8,000 a year. And now you're like, I don't waste $8,000 $8, a year on groceries. Like we, we didn't think so either until we looked at it and then we're like, oh my goodness, we are literally wasting six or $700 a month on groceries. Today's sermon, I'm talking about a principle called tithing, which is giving a tenth back to the Lord, giving it back to the Lord. Um, that line item, tithing, actually, you know, the $8,000 a year on one line item, this concept of tithing and giving. So tithing is 10%. Giving is on top of that. Um, 10% is just merely returning to God. And I'll, I'll teach from the scriptures today the blessings that God promises. But 10% is returning to God what's already his. And then there's the offerings on top of that, which a heart for the house would kind of qualify for. Now, that line item of tithing and giving a tenth back to the Lord, that one line item does more for us than the $8,000, like exponentially more than that to us. Like, it's, it's the one thing that we would never stop doing as a family because we don't think that we could afford to stop giving back to the Lord. And, uh, and I'll, I'll explain kind of um, just about the investment that God would like you to do. There are actually massive non-Christian companies that give a tenth of their profits back to the communities or to the world. Like, it's, it's a principle that was begun as long as seed time and harvest remains. Um, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will be there. And there are massive non-Christian companies who don't believe in Jesus who do this out of principle because they know the blessing that comes back to them and they get to be a blessing to the world around them. So um, giving back in our budget is the highest form. It is the uh, highest return on investment. So um, you guys just relax a little bit. What does he want next? Look, I'm just going to teach you what I teach my kids. So I'm not, you know, like hoping my kids will, will invest with me so that I can rip them off or anything like that. So just, you know, like, trust me a little bit here. Um, here's, here's the fact that we get a little hung up over is that we look at, we're like, well, God doesn't need my money. And that's absolutely right, actually. Like, God himself doesn't need money. He doesn't need food. He doesn't need spiritual life. He doesn't need to grow. He doesn't need to not go to hell. He doesn't need all of those things because he already is all of those things. So he has no, like, there's no growth factor in God. He's like, God's going to come up short. Um, God is all things and God is self-sufficient and God was here before you and will be here after you and God will be just fine. It has nothing to do with God. What God is trying to do is unlock his resources to you. And so, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith is the seed, actually, of salvation. So salvation itself is really the big miracle here. What God is able to do with your resources is, like, that's not taxing of God's power. You're like, oh, God, you know, my rent bill is coming due. And God's like, hey, I have a plan for you. But if you think that this taxes the God of the universe and his power, you have to understand, like, salvation was something that was a big deal. But this is not really a big deal to God. But see, people need us to invest it's talking about food in God's house because people are dying spiritually. People are poor and don't have food to eat. People need it and adoption costs money. So it really doesn't have to do with like God doesn't need my money. No, no, no. But you need to, to give it or you're going to think your entire life is about you. And uh, you need to help people because you'll never find your purpose till you help somebody else find their purpose. And so God is really just making a plan for you. Now, now this is somebody else will get into this. I'm just going to kind of go through some of these because I think they're the arguments that we build against generosity. Um, like, so wait, so you're saying that, that I, okay, so I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower. Um, so you're saying that if I don't do this, God won't love me. And I'm like, no, just think about it like this. Um, who of my kids here, Neela here, she was playing drums this morning. 
Uh, she did great. So it would be like me saying to Neela, like, Neela, I want you to invest. So when you get a job, invest 10% with your dad. Invest 10% off the top with your dad. And I will promise to do all of these things. And I'll show you in the scriptures. I promise to multiply that seed 30, 60, and 100 fold. I promise to, you know, if the enemy comes at you, if the devil comes at you, I promise to fight the devil for you. I promise to do all these things. Oh, and I'll guarantee the 10% and get it back to you that month anyways. Well, she'll be like, well, money? I'll be like, well, no, your car won't break down or I'll do all these things, you know, like, and it would be like, almost like Neela, me offering her an investment that literally can't fail. Like, not just covering and promising all these things, but covering the initial principle anyways, like find that somewhere in the world. Um, and so it would be like her looking at me and being like, yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think I want to. And then, and then because she won't, then she's like, yeah, and, and so you don't love me if I don't? Well, no, I'm going to love her, even if she's not smart. <laughs> of course, I'm going to love her. It has nothing to do with love. But I'm trying to help her invest in a life and in her own future. And so, um, so Jesus says, in, in Luke records Jesus' words, give and you will receive. And another scripture says, it is better to give than to receive. Receiving just a byproduct of what God wants to do in your life. But you got to give. Your gift will return to you in full. Catch this. Watch what he's saying. Press down, shaken together. This is like the Coke, the Coke recycling bin. You know, like, get in there. You know, like, jump on. Get that thing jammed down in there, right? Um, shaken together to make room for more. So then more is poured in, running over and poured into your lap. And then it says, the amount of popcorn kernels you give will determine the amount you get back. So that's what I want you to think about. You ready? Giving back 10%, giving God back 10%, turns a cup of boring corn kernels into a tub of popcorn you'll need help eating. Smart people do it. So who likes corn? Nobody likes corn. Just put your hands down. It's the difference between like eating a small portion of corn or putting it in the popcorn maker and letting God cause it to explode. Do you guys know the, the Edwards? Oh, there they are, right there, yeah. So, so when they first started dating on one of their first dates, now it doesn't matter if, if Edwards is like watching, if Aaron Edwards is watching his, you know, like his eating and stuff like that, if you go to a movie with him, he will literally eat all the popcorn in the theater because that's what Aaron Edwards does. He's like, it's the experience, you gotta do it, right? And so in one of their early dates, what they did was they actually, um, he went and bought uh, popcorn and Karen was telling me yesterday, she's like, yeah, we were too poor as a family to buy our kids popcorn. When we take our kids to the theater, we don't buy them popcorn. Like, we started to now, but like, we're like, you're just lucky to be here. <laughs> so like, budget items, right? And so, but Edwards bought, bought this big thing of popcorn and bought a giant tub of soda, right? And so, um, and if you look at uh, Karen, she's like kind of little and she's got these little T-Rex arms. <laughs> Edwards does too, small arms. And she reaches over because she, maybe, she did, maybe she wasn't used to like how big those containers of pop are. She reaches over with, with this little claw and she grabs this and she tries to pull the pop container out. That's like, I mean, those pop containers are two handers, right? And she grabs it with one hand and pours the entire thing in his lap about 20 minutes into the movie. And this is what God is saying to you that he wants to do in your life. <laughs> Reaches a little T-Rex out. No, no, what he wants. Is, it says in there, good measure, pressed down. Uh, more is added, shaken together, running over and poured into your lap. He wants you to have so much 
that you have to get your neighbors on board and be like, hey, you got to drink some of this or it's going to get dumped in my lap and I don't want it in my lap. God wants, he, he, is, he is a good and perfect father. He knows the thoughts he has towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, but not just you. He wants all the people around you to get so much blessing from your life that you've got to share it before it gets dumped out on your lap. I want your life filled with popcorn stories. I want your life filled with miracle stories of the things that God is doing. Um, when we moved here, can I give you like a, just a really close example of what happens when you care about God's house? When we moved here to Plant Venue Church, I was looking for a, um, uh, I was looking at the Bird Church Performing Arts Theater. And, um, and it was the best building in town for us to do a church plant in. I talked to the acting manager at the time and he's like, don't even ask us for a recurring booking. Do you want a one event in here? I'm like, yeah, every week. And he's like, yeah, don't even do that. Don't even ask for it because we can't give it to you. And I went home that night. I don't do this very often. But I said to the Lord, if you want us in Airdrie, God, you want us to plant venue church in Airdrie, we need that building. It's the best building. And we need that building. And I think it was the next day or the day after, but I'm pretty sure it was the next day. He calls me up and he's like, my boss called me into his office and said, rent that building up. He goes, what do you want? And we started our, we started evening services, which was probably a bad idea at the time, but seemed like a good idea to us. And we started Venue Church um, here. The day that I was going to the theater, because we live north of here, the day that I was going to the theater, we stopped at the theater and I, uh, I went in and uh, now you have to understand, uh, some of you have heard a bit of our story, but like that year of church planting the church and there was about two or three years there actually that were just hell for our family. Our marriage was off the rails. It was not doing well. Not a good time to plant a church, but God still had a plan and God still has worked a miracle here. And I want to say, no matter what circumstance you come in with, that doesn't, that doesn't, how you started in life doesn't have to be how you end because God wants to do something for you. And so, and in you and through you, and uh, God is healing families now through the brokenness that we used to experience. And so it's incredible what God has done, but we came here, Pastor Aaron was having a bad day. And so we, we, I, I said, drop me off at the theater. I got to nail this down because God's house matters more to us than our own house matters and I can't think of a better example and then I said I said to her go and buy a bunch of Starbucks gift cards because we've been looking at seven or eight houses in Cooper's we'd heard that Cooper's was the best looking people in town <laughs> only the prettiest people and then we moved there and found out that the prettiest people are in King Sites and then <laughs> King Sites people I just teed you up not the smartest people apparently be like, yeah, the prettiest people. Um, so anyways, maybe the next service will love me. The, I said, get, go get a bunch of $10 Starbucks gift cards and go to some of these areas. But we hadn't found the right house for us, right? Nothing was right about it. And so I said, go and give gift cards to the neighbors and see if there's like a meth dealer next door. I mean, it sounds funny, but like, this is just how I roll. Like, see if there's a meth dealer or a barking dog. Like, I, I want good neighbors and I want to know if the neighborhood's good, right? So, and she was having a bad day. So she's like, well, I don't want to do that. Like, oh, and she was all complaining about it, which is funny. And she has apologized since probably. And, um, and she's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then, so I, I'm like, I have to do this thing. God needs a house here, venue church. Like, we have to come. God has opened a way for us. We got to do this. So I stayed at the theater. She calls me up while I'm still at the theater and says, you'll never believe what happened. I went to the one place that if you've been to my house, there's a brown house across the street and just to the right, there's a brown house there. We call it the brownstone now, but we were looking at that house. That was the best house that we could find, but it was not right for our family really. And so she goes there with a $10 gift card and a bad attitude 
and talks to the person who is living in our house who is in the driveway, the only neighbor she could see. She goes over there and she goes, hey, we're looking at buying this house. And she says, what's the neighborhood like? She's like, the neighborhood's great. And then she says, that house, how many kids do you have? And we said, four kids. She goes, that house is a bit small for you. And uh, Pastor Aaron said, yeah, it's a bit small for us. And then she goes, well, why don't you buy my house? And she calls me up, having just walked through that house and said, I found our house. And I'm like, I need an apology. <laughs> it was like God saying directly to us in the same like 10 minute period. You cared about my house? Good. I'll sort your house out. I'll sort your problems out. I'll be the senior partner. I'll take care of you. And that house was perfect for us. It had been painted. I didn't have, we were doing a church plan. We were not in a good place in the family. I didn't have to do a renovation. It had just been painted. The kitchen had been all redone. It's a perfect house for our family. It has enough bedrooms so that our kids didn't have to sleep in the same room together because that would be awful um, at that time for our family. And so it's the most direct story that I can think of to tell. You know, we had a family show up in that very first summer. I think it was the first summer of being open to venue church. Now, they'd never been to church before, so they came in and they think that this is normal. <laughs> and uh, they came in and they're like, they spent their entire lives, they were entrepreneurs, they'd done multiple business startups, they had multiple properties, they had very expensive business mentors. Um, they had what the world spends their entire lives working for, they had it. And they were, but they were looking for Jesus. They came in and they're like, oh, we found him. Like we finally realized why we exist. And, and this is it. There's something here. And within a few short months, they had given their lives to Christ. They got baptized and they had started going to a, a giving small group. Now I should say from the very first time or the second week, I think that they came, they started putting money in the offering. I think we, maybe we handed it out then. I can't remember, but you know, it was, it's weird to a non-Christian to go to someplace and not not pay anything for it. Right. And so they're like, well, if you go to like a, a play or a production or a movie, well, this costs money. Somebody's got to. So they started giving generously. It's only Christians that don't give in church, which makes no sense. <laughs> mm, shots fired. Oh, just wait. Um, then they went to Dave Ramsey Financial Freedom University, which we offer in January. Take a picture of that or whatever you do with the barcode there. And we have a whole bunch of people signed up already for that. And uh, they went through that small group, I think it was. And they're like, what is tithing? What is, is it giving a tenth of our income back to the Lord? And they're like, oh, we can invest with God? Because we've invested every place else. Well, we can do this. And he promises, what? And they were shocked by it. And so they moved their timeline up for giving their tenth back to the Lord. Can I just tell you like one of the miracle stories from their lives that happened after that? Um, I don't know if it was the spring of that year. Because I'm talking about the Warankas. And so... Um, so um, what happened was they sold a house, you sold a house, and then they took, because they had a mortgage out on that house that they were, it was a rental house or something. So they had a, a mortgage out and then they, they took what they, what they um, made on the house, what they sold it for, and just subtracted the mortgage off of that. I don't even think they worried about lawyer's fees and stuff. They just subtracted that and said, okay, this is our increase. We're going to give t a tenth back to the Lord. So they brought a, you know, like what to them was a, a sizable check to the church for, for God's house. And within four days of that, because that takes a, a lot of doing. And within four days of that, they had another property that they had been trying to sell a year before it was on the market for $100,000 less. And they, they probably would have taken less than that too. 
Four days after, what had happened was they put the house on the market for $100,000 more, and they got full asking price for it. Four days after, they brought... And God's just like, here's an extra 100 k plus all the other stuff that you made. Just love you guys. I'm doing this because I can. <laughs> There's tremendous blessing that God has stored up for you. And it's, it says, he says that I will open the windows of heaven, but the latch that's holding that shut is whether you want to unlock it with your faith and your generosity, whether you want to trust in God more than you trust in yourself. And so really trusting in yourself is not that great a deal anyways. And so it's probably good to get rid of that and trust in the Lord. But if you unlock that, then God unlocks the windows of heaven. So now tithing might be a new concept for you. Um, if you've never been to church, you're probably like, what? Oh, this is incredible. And you'll probably jump right on board. Um, if you've never been to a Bible preaching church, you might be like, what? How come nobody told me about this? Some people, you know, they're afraid to preach it from the pulpit because churches get a bad rap or, you know, you see some church in the States have a failure and somebody runs out with money. And then you're like, well, I can't trust. And you get got to go through all these things, I think. Um, but um, Here's what is a common thing in the lives of Christ followers is that somewhere along the way we stop going to church and then we stop, we stop giving. And, and when we do that, what happens is as soon as you stop sowing seed, there's like a clock that starts for your next harvest. Because as soon as you stop sowing seed, you don't get next season's harvest. But you still have enough from the last season that you were sowing, right? So it's almost like a, a drought starts in an area of your life. Your finances may be okay because the enemy can give you finances too to keep you distracted. But um, so a drought starts the moment that we stop giving because we're not sowing seed anymore into God's kingdom. And so a drought begins that eventually catches up with us. But in the meantime, because we don't necessarily starve in the meantime or starve spiritually or watch one of your kids lose their love for Jesus or something like that because it really does affect everything. What happens is in the middle we create a story about why God doesn't want us to give it the tithe anymore. And it's not a story that's based in the scriptures, which I'll explain, but I'm going to go through some of these uh, myths that we have to just debunk some of them, just so that I can free you up a little bit to, uh, to obey the Lord in this, in this matter. So um, here's some myths to debunk. Don't get your uh, theology on YouTube, please. Or Facebook. It says in the word of God, the anointing breaks the yoke. And God has called you to a local church that has an anointing to get you free and to keep you free. And so there are so many critical people on there. And I think people just get threatened and insecure. And then they just start poking holes in everybody else. But they're not, a critics don't actually build anything. And so I just want to say, like, when you go to this and you want revelation from the Lord about tithing, go to the scriptures. Don't go to somebody out there who's stingy and doesn't give back to God and find out what they think. You can always find somebody who agrees with you or is suspicious. Um, and so here are some of the things, uh, myths that we need to de de debunk. There's this one that's like, well, didn't Jesus come to do away with the law of Moses? Because all the laws and the, and the rituals and all the things that happened there. And here's how I would respond to that. Jesus came to fulfill the law of sacrifice for sins. So Jesus was the sacrifice for sins. Now, he didn't do away with the laws of morality, like the Ten Commandments, right? Unless you're cool with somebody sleeping with your wife. No is the right answer. Like, oh, no, we don't want that. That's bad. And so it's the laws of morality have never changed. And in fact, God will kind of address that sort of thinking. It's like, well, didn't, didn't Jesus come and do away with all the things? And now we're just under grace. 
Um, Jesus didn't do away with the Ten Commandments. In fact, he tightened them up and he's like, because you're under grace and the power of the resurrected Savior and the Holy Spirit is poured out on you. Guys, it's, it's not just committing adultery to, you know, to sleep with somebody else. Even if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you can be that pure that you don't even do that anymore. Because of the great power of the Holy Spirit at work in the world right now. And so, um, so that's kind of a myth that we need to just put behind us and do away with. Um, Jesus did come to fulfill. But he says also, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. Everything that's written in the law is going to be fulfilled. I came to fulfill this part of the law, the law of sacrifice, um, to cover the, the sins of the people. Now, tithing actually started with Abraham. Um, it may have started before that, but we see the recording of Abraham giving a tenth to Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. Uh, we see it. Uh, Isaac was blessed in the land of famine. We believe that Abraham taught his, uh, his sons. And, and uh, Jacob, actually, he says specifically, of all that comes to me, Lord, I will give you a tithe. And God made Jacob great in the earth as well. Um, and so here's what I want to say about kind of that argument there. I just want to say, like, did gravity stop after Jesus was resurrected? There's laws of the world that aren't going to stop as long as the earth remains. And seed time and harvest is one of them. And nobody in gravity, see, money is so emotional to us because it represents our hearts and it represents power. And so God wants to be in control of those things so that you can relax and he can take care of you. And so, but you know, nobody falls, you know, gravity, you can fly or you can fall, but nobody falls in gravity and then it's like, and then gets angry at gravity. He's like, I knew you were going to do this. Like, I knew it. You know, um, heat can bake cookies or it can burn you. And so what we have to do is the law of sowing and, and reaping can bless you or it can burn you. You just got to decide which side, whether you want to sow or whether you want to keep it in your pocket. So, um, and then there's another argument that's like, well, if Jesus told me to, then I would. Great. Uh, Matthew 23, uh, Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you, professional Christians, uh, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe, watch this, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Then he says, you should tithe, yes, but don't forget, don't neglect the more important things as well. So really what he's saying here is he's like, guys, it takes so little trust to tithe. He's like, don't think that you're doing the big things if you don't do the small things too. He's like, guys, you're doing the small things. That's great, but don't forget the big things. But here's what we want to say. Like, well, I care about justice and mercy and faith. And I don't tithe. It just, it's not a logical argument there. Jesus would be like, no, you should tithe, obviously. It's a small thing that will get you to some of the big things. Um, now, here's, here's something I want you to keep in mind. God won't tell you the next thing until you do the last thing. You got to get that. The heavens can be silent or you'll start hearing other voices because we didn't do the last thing that God told us to do. God has a long memory and he hasn't forgotten. It would make him an unprincipled God, an unprincipled father if he would forget the last thing that he told you to do so that he could bless you. Now, I'm going to get into the book of Malachi right now. We're just going to kind of walk through this. Malachi is the last prophet to speak before Jesus comes. So what you need to know about this is like God's last warning and tithing is one of the things he's warning about and offerings. It's like God's last warning before, you ready? Before he goes radio silent for 400 years. 400 years, this is the last prophet until the time of Jesus. 400 years, God does not speak to the nation. You want to know why? We're going to read through some of this right now. And I can't help but wonder if maybe Jesus finally could come, because he actually does mention, he's like, you should tithe, yes, like, Hey, you're actually tithing now. 
And maybe that's a way that God could get his tithe in Jesus. And Jesus is far more than the 10th of heaven, by the way. If you have one son that created all of this with you and you sent him to one planet, to one sinful humankind, that is way more than God's 10th anyways. But maybe because Israel finally started giving back to the Lord that God actually could give and do the miracle work in, in the world, which we see now. And so um, that's a mind-blowing thing that you've got to think about because I'm like, oh, he was telling us that they finally got it. Now, they screwed up a bunch of other stuff we're not going to talk about. It. Now, 400 years of radio silence. Now, Malachi says, now he's speaking for God. He says, God is saying, I am God. Yes, I am. And then when, when he launches into the rest of the thing about the tithing, I think what you have to understand is that if we keep God's money in our pocket, we'll start thinking, we'll get a God complex and start thinking that we're God. Like if, if we have, if we keep his stuff, because he's like, that doesn't belong to you. That belongs to me, actually. If we keep his stuff, you'll start thinking that you're him. He's like, I am God. I am. Then he says, I haven't changed to debunk the myth that tithing had changed, that seed time and harvest had changed. He's like, I know the arguments that you're going to say and the story you're going to write. He's like, that's not the real story. I am God. I haven't changed. And because I haven't changed, you, the descendants of Jacob, the tither, haven't been destroyed. I made a covenant with Jacob to look after his kids and his grandkids and their grandkids. I made a covenant because I don't, because of that, you haven't been destroyed. Because of that, you're still here in the place of blessing. You have a long history of ignoring my commands, he says to Israel. You haven't done a thing I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. You asked, but how do we return? You ready? Begin by being honest. And I think, because I'm really talking to, I think, Christ followers now, just begin by being honest. Honest is not what you saying what you think. Honest is saying the truth about who you really are. Honesty has to do with the truth. Because if what you think is a lie and you're speaking that, is that honest? No, you're just speaking your mind. Begin by being honest. And then he's going to show them where they're not being honest. It says, do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? Not even, after a while, you don't think that you're doing it anymore. The tithe and offering, he says, that's how. The tenth, the one-tenth. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. So it's not like God is cursing you. But listen, you are under one of two lords in this life. You are under the work of the enemy. That is a curse. That is the anointing of the enemy will bring a curse. He wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. That is the curse. Or you can live under God. You have to pick in this lifetime. What you pick in this lifetime, who you align yourself with in this lifetime... As, uh, carries through to all of eternity. That is salvation, is just coming under the blood of Jesus and saying, I believe that this sacrifice was a sacrifice for my sins for all time. I'm coming under the lordship of Jesus. I'm leaving this family and I'm joining this family. I want to be adopted into this family. You have paid the price. I need faith to enter in and believe that what you said was true. Now, you're under a curse. Now, it's, um, how do you think it would affect my relationship with my daughter if I gave her $100, $10, $10 bills. And a month later, I came back and said, can I have one of those back so that I can bless you some more? You can keep the rest. And for her to say, it's all mine. Now think about this. Think about this. That $10 in her pocket is going to affect our relationship. Right? Like it's my, it's in her pocket and it's not hers. God is like, that's not, you got to stop thinking about it. Like it's yours. It's not yours. That is mine. I gave it all to you. That is mine. Return that to me. And so we have to start understanding that the connection you're here to do, you're here to connect with God and connect with people. If our tithe is in our pocket, 
the tithe that we should be giving is in our pocket, that will affect our connectivity with God. It will affect his voice to us. 400 years of radio silence. And then God says, bring your full tithe. It's a tenth. It's not a tooth. Anything else, it's a tenth. It's not an eighth. It's a tenth. That's what it means. It's also not a twelfth. It's a tenth. To the temple treasury, so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Why? For, for the good of the nation around you. Test me in this, he says. It's the only place in the scriptures where God says, test me, try it. And see if I don't open up heavens itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. Like your dreams are too small. And that's why you're hanging on too tight. Because it's too small. And if I don't come and show up, the real dreams that I have for you, you're not even tapped into those yet. For my part, he said, I will defend you against marauders. I will protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunderers. He's like, I'm just going to take care of you wherever you go. You will be voted, you ready? Happiest nation. Happiness belongs to the Lord. It's only 10% circumstantial. He's like, you want to be happy? You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. And there, it, there's the argument against the whole, the whole grace Christians who are like, we don't have to do anything anymore. I can live however I want and please the Lord. No, you can't. It, Jesus came and he was the mix of grace and truth. And the truth sets you free, not grace. It's just good theology. It's just good scripture preaching. Come on. So this is what I want you to do. And I'm just going to challenge you, church. Just put it in your budget like I do. I don't care about the electricity bill because the lights come on. It's nice to have light. It's better than candles. Well, when I put this into my budget, when Pastor Aaron and I and, our, and we teach our kids, put this in your budget and just give back to the Lord what's his, then other lights start coming on in your life. Now, here's what I want to say. And I will make this promise, and I make it every time that I preach about tithing. I've heard pastor friends of mine do this. If it, try it for six months. If you can show my bookkeeper that you gave a tithe for six months and it didn't work, we'll give it all back to you. We've never had to do it one time. No pastor that I've ever heard saying that has ever had to do it one time. Because God always keeps his word and always keeps his promises. Um, whereas Tyler Dallas shared with the team last night. He's like, I said, okay, I said six months. We're going to do this for six months. He says, two months in, WestJet got bought out by that other company. And I made a pile of money that was way more than any tithe that I gave. And he's like, I told all my friends at WestJet, that happened because I tithed. You're welcome. And God's just like, I got you. I got you. Now, come on up, worship team. I'm just going to explain how this works. Just in very practical matters here, because we don't really understand sometimes, or we miss the teaching. So this is what my dad taught me in the faith. It's talking about the increase of your field. So I'm salaried. I don't know if you're a salaried person or if you work by the hour. So I'm salaried. So that means that I actually give a tenth off of the top. Now, I give personally. Dave Ramsey would do this as well. I think the most successful people do this. I tithe before taxes even come off because I don't think that the government is using my tax money to give back to the Lord. I'm 100% sure that they're spending it on a lot of stupid crap. And I don't, I want my nation blessed too. This is not just about us. This is about our children and their children. And I want something that the nation gets and is using to be tithed upon so that it's under the anointing of the grace of God. And they're not going to do it, so I'm going to do it for them. I'm just going to be like, hey, I'm just going to do this for you because I don't really trust you, right? You know, I don't really trust that you're doing this for God. And we're not a generous nation like we used to be. Um, so that's just how we think about that. Um, now, listen, if I was still in the, in the business world, I would make at least twice or more. Our household would make more than twice what we make right now. And uh, here's what I would say. We live better than people who do. 
I know how much people make. I'm a business guy. I think like that. I'm like, we live way better than most people who do because God is with us and God is our senior partner and God just slips deals to us all the time because God is good. Now, here's what I would say. What are you living on? That to me, like, what are you living on? What's your increase? Um, when I would go to uh, collect unemployment insurance or if there's disability or things like that, you're actually living on that. So I would tithe off of that because I'm eating from this thing here. And so the, the government is giving it to me, but it's still like I'm living on that. So I would give a tenth back to the Lord of that. Our family, actually, the more that we make, the more percentages we actually give away because we still can't figure out how to outgive God. And he just blesses us for it. Um, my kids tithe on birthday money, I think. I don't know that you have to, but they're just like, we want popcorn. We don't like corn, we like popcorn. And they do, I don't, it's just one of those things. I didn't really teach them to do that, but God blesses them. So what am I gonna tell them to do, stop? I'm like, just do it, give it to God, it's a blessing. God will get it back to you and so much more. There's things like inheritances. Well, did you increase from that? That wasn't work that you did for that. That's an increase, you know, when a tenth comes back to the Lord. Um, if you if you give, you know, post, or whatever, if you don't give on taxes, when you get a tax return back, well, that money hasn't been tithed on yet, you know? And uh, that's just something that I would consider there. If you capital increase, you know, we just had the Morevilles just sold a house property and brought a gift to the church. God is gonna bless your family for that. And uh, I don't wanna stop them from giving because I'm like, no, I want you to get the blessing from that. That's incredible. And look how much more we can do because of your generosity. So so that like, if, if you took out a mortgage for a house and you borrowed the money, then you just take the what you, what you sold it for and subtracted, and then we tithe off of the increase. Now, if you're in business, let me explain this, because I had a friend of mine who owned like three companies, and when she started tithing, she started tithing off of like all three companies, the entire income of that. And uh, I happened to, to know what that number was, and I, I talked to her, I'm like, what are you tithing on? Are you tithing on the whole income of the entire companies? And she said, yeah, isn't that what you do? And I'm like, no, like, it's great. I should have kept my mouth shut. and <laughs> Just been like, yeah, no, that's great. She's like, the funny thing is, it was a huge number, but God still blessed them anyways. And she's like, it's sort of funny that I was all worried about it and God blessed me anyways. But this is what we do. If we're in business and we're taking in, say it's 100,000 or a million, whatever. it's 100,000 that I take in, but I pay employees 20%. I don't have to tithe on what they should be tithing on. That's them. If it costs me 10,000 to have a company truck, if it's, it's the cost of the seed for the season, I take that, I minus my expenses that are directly related to that, and I tithe on the profit to the company. If I reinvested in the company, then one day I'm going to sell the company and I'm going to sell all the buildings. And then I would give a tithe off of that back to the Lord uh, to remember uh, the Lord and his house. Does that make sense? And so it's like business minus your direct expenses and then tithe off of that. And if you sell it one day, then that would be something that the Lord would uh, consider that he could do something probably better than you could with so that he could bless you for, uh, even more. So Dave Ramsey says, let's start with the basics. Simply put, the tithe is the first 10%. Put it in the first line item of your budget so that when it goes, you don't miss it. And it's not emotionally hard for you. It's the first 10% of your income that should be given to your local church. It's strictly measured in money. You can't replace it with giving your time or your talents. If you want to give to missions, and our church gives a lot to missions, uh, you can give here. We give that. We give a lot to missions anyways. But like giving me giving to missionaries, which we need to do, is above and beyond my tithe. The tithe goes to the local church. Uh, Spurgeon says, much has been said about giving a tenth of one's income to the Lord. Methinks it is a Christian duty which none for sh should for a moment question. If it were a duty under the Jewish law, much more so is it now under the Christian dispensation. It is a very great mistake to suppose that the Jew only gave a tenth. He gave very, very, 
very much more than that. The tenth was the payment which he must make. But after that came all the free will offerings, all the various gifts at diverse seasons of the year, so that perhaps he gave a third, much more near that certainly than a tenth. And so, Father, we just come right now and we just, um, anybody who would want to, this is totally up to you, by the way. God's going to love you. We're still going to love you, whatever you do. But Father, we pray that our hearts would be soft and that we would just surrender to the Lord what is his so that the Lord could bless us. Let our hearts not be suspicious of the Lord or distrustful of the Lord or his house. Father, when we are baptizing 18 people's souls for all of eternity next week, we can see directly what it is that you are doing in this earth. And we were one of those souls, and we need to remember that gratefulness and hang on to you for thankfulness. But now, Lord, I ask for every person who's going to decide to tithe and every person who is faithfully doing it, release miracles, unlock the windows of heaven in their lives, free their children, free their wives, free their relationships, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.